global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing stocks rising the most in two months. And this update is brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek. Access the opportunities. S&P 500 index now up 26 points, gaining 1.3% to 2,074. NASDAQ up 89 to 48.55, a gain of 1.9%. Dow Industrials rallying 207 points to 17,700, a gain there of 1.2%. Tenure down 5.30 seconds, yield 1.85%. Gold down 22.70 the ounce to 12.28, a drop of 1.8%. 1.8% and crude advancing a uh, uh, dollar uh, 120 1.3% now up 62 cents 4870 Brent crude by the way at 4866 Brent is up 0.6%. I'm Charlie Pellet and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Shares of Best Buy are down more than 7% today. This comes after the company reported a current uh, fiscal uh, profit that was below analyst estimates. So they're citing disruption in their supply chain after following the earthquake uh, in Japan and Fukushima. Here to tell us a little bit more is Matt Townsend, retail reporter for Bloomberg News. Matt, thanks very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Is yeah, this th- the story that just keeps on giving as far as Best Buy and the and the, con- the, the sort of never-ending turnaround? Yeah, it's been three-plus years now. Uh, the current CEO, Hubert Jolie, came in. Uh, he has a background in the hospitality uh, industry. And, um, you know, so far what they've done is they've cut a lot of costs. They've sold off a lot of, a lot of their foreign divisions. They just have Canada, Canada and the U.S. basically right now. And... Investors have liked that to a point, but now they're basically saying, okay, start showing some sales growth or even a path towards sales growth. And so far, the company hasn't been able to do that. Um, today, they reiterated that they expect sales for the year to be basically flat. Yeah, and their same-store sales down 0.1, which was smaller than the 1.6 projected. Yeah. Among the analysts, even people at Best Buy, what is what can they do to achieve more growth and more sales? They're in a very, very tough space. Circuit City couldn't make it. Right. You know, Radio Shack couldn't make it. They're like the last standing big brick-and-mortar store that you can go into and look at everything from a printer to a big-screen TV. Exactly, yeah. What can they do? It's tough. I mean, one of the things they rely on is these the uh, electronic industry to create hit products. So if the iPhone's hot, if some other thing is hot, Best Buy basically, you know, benefits from that. And right now we're in a kind of lag within the product cycle. There's not a lot of things out there that are really hot and grabbing consumers' attention. So besides relying on that, um, they've done some things around the margins, uh, making the stores more efficient, um, you know, selling return to merchandise. But at the end of the day, they really, really, really need for there to be a nice product cycle. That's what's going to drive sales. Do they also really, really need a new CFO because they got one? They did, yeah. That was. Uh, it's debatable why the stock is down a day. Some of it might be the weak uh, second quarter forecast. But also their CFO, a woman named Sharon McCollum, who uh, came in along with uh, Hubert Jolie, the CEO, about three years ago, 
Uh, she gave a lot of credibility to the turnaround. She was a, a retail veteran. She, she was at Williams-Sonoma, Williams right? Sonoma. She was the chief operating officer at Williams-Sonoma. The, the analysts who covered her loved her. I mean, it, almost every time I would speak to an analyst, they would rave about Sharon McCollum. She came out and said, look, we're going to cut a billion dollars in annualized costs. They did. They backed that up. And that was a big proving ground for this turnaround. And her leaving, you know, has some analysts maybe questioning What's to come next, even though the company bent over backwards to say her replacement, this woman named Corey Berry, been in the company a long time, was groomed by Sharon to take over. So they're trying to paint it as, you know, a smooth transition. Right now, where does it stand in terms of buys, holds, sells for Best Buys? Anybody real positive? Are most people negative? It's a lot of people in the middle. Uh, what was big today was um, Citigroup analyst came out and uh, went back from a buy to a hold. Uh, analyst named Kate McShane who's pretty influential in the industry. Uh, and she basically cited, you know, concerns about going forward uh, without the CFO um, and, you know, just a weak overall electronics market. I mean, as much hype as Apple and uh, a lot of these tech companies get, I mean, they haven't really come out with a huge hit product in a couple of years now. All right. Hit products, very important if you're in retail. Matt Townsend, mm-hmm. hit story yeah. for you today. Retail reporter for Bloomberg News looking at Best Buy earnings and their CF- CE- CFO departing. Well, from retail to politics, big story uh, breaking the last couple of days. Uh, the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, a Democrat with close ties to the Clintons and uh, a former board member of the Clinton Global Initiative, is now being investigated by federal authorities for perhaps some uh, campaign law violations. Joining us to discuss this and tell us uh, where what he thinks it means for Hillary Clinton's campaign is Mark Halperin. He's the host of Bloomberg TV's With All Due Respect, which you can watch weekdays at 5 p.m. Wall Street time. And, of course, you can listen on Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, D.C. So, Mark, uh, this comes out of left field. What exactly is Terry McAuliffe being accused of, and why do you think it's a bad thing for Hillary Clinton? Well, we don't know exactly what the prosecutors are looking at, uh, but it involves the kind of mix of relationships, fundraising, government access that – you often see as run-of-the-mill activity for politicians. It's interesting and notable that this is a Democratic Justice Department that's looking at a Democratic governor. So if the if the two entities were of opposite parties, uh, there would be instant speculation that this was something political because there is no more important person in the Clintons' life than Terry McAuliffe. He has been their biggest fundraiser over the years. He has also been a tireless advocate for them within the Democratic Party circles, now as governor of Virginia. He used to be the Democratic Party chairman. And Virginia, of course, is a critical state in the election, in the presidential election. And Terry McAuliffe uh, was expected to, is expected to spearhead an effort in Virginia uh, for Hillary Clinton to keep those electoral votes in the Democratic column. This is uh, a evolving situation. Yeah, the investigation might go nowhere, but it does threaten to engulf Terry McAuliffe in the kind of accusations that the Clintons have faced. Again, a commingling of fundraising, including potentially money from overseas, with uh, relationships that, that verge into the governmental as well. Uh, Mark Hopkins, I just want to understand this, that Terry McAuliffe is being investigated by the FBI and the Justice Department for accepting about $120,000 in his for his gubernatorial campaign from companies that are controlled by 
Wang Wang Liang, the Chinese businessman who's also donated to the Clinton Foundation. Is that the, the sort of connection that's going to lead to the Clinton Foundation? Well, those are the reports of the of the kind of right. outlines of the um, of the of the charges. Most of the news accounts say that this is not something that's targeting the foundation's activities. It's not entirely clear what the wrongdoing uh, being looked at is. Is it simply or alleged wrongdoing? Is it simply the prospect that McAuliffe took money from a foreign entity? Uh, the fundraising rules are are such that based on his citizenship and the nature of his companies, if the money was made here in the United States, that would be fine. Uh, or is there more to it? Is there more about, again, a, a nexus of relationships related to the government, the foundation, as well as the private campaign? We just don't know. And, 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 you know, the presumption of innocence is, is one element. But there's also the fact that often in the reporting at this phase of an investigation, and the reports are it's gone on for some time, that prosecutors or, or agents, FBI agents, who get frustrated that the case isn't moving, put things out to try to shake things up. And you don't want to assume that all the things that are being leaked out there are necessarily true or that just because there's smoke somewhere, there's necessarily fire. But as a potential problem for certainly for Terry McAuliffe and potentially for the Clintons, both symbolic and substantively, this ain't a great development. And again, I'll say it comes not from a Republican Justice Department, but a Democratic one, suggesting that their motives are prosecutorial and potentially dangerous politically. So how does uh, Hillary Clinton handle this for now, Mark? Does she just avoid the issue? Will reporters start uh, hounding her about this at her appearances? Well, John Hamm and I asked her campaign spokesman last night, Brian Fallon, about it, uh, and said, said simply, will you vouch for Terry McAuliffe's integrity? Uh, Fallon is himself a former Justice Department spokesman and, and is pretty cautious about these matters. He would not. I suspect Hillary Clinton will eventually be asked about this, and she'll probably plead ignorance. Terry McAuliffe himself claims, until the news accounts, he didn't know anything about the investigation. So she can probably, as long as there are no indictments, she can probably get away with saying it's an investigation I don't know anything about. But she certainly, I'm almost certain, will be asked about it the next time reporters get a chance. Mark, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and the Democratic National Committee agreeing to put some of his supporters uh, on the convention platform committee. It's certainly a step towards unity. It's one of the long list of things that Sanders and his supporters have been looking for to try to move towards uh, reconciliation. Sanders, at the 30,000 feet level, says that he doesn't want Donald Trump to win. He will, if he's not the nominee, help Hillary Clinton. But in the meantime, there's a lot of time between now and the final primaries and caucuses and first part of June. And then from there, five weeks or so to the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia, uh, the hope for the optimists in the Clinton camp is that moves like this, giving him representation on an important committee for the convention, will get him effectively out of the race before the convention. The real danger for her now is that Sanders spends the intervening weeks continuing to agitate against her and, and, and talking about his issues and uses the convention to make points rather than to unify. Thank you very much. Mark Halpern, host of With All Due Respect, Bloomberg Politics, weeknights, 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Television and 99.1 in Washington, D.C.